Welcome to the Dead Lady Show podcast. I'm Susan Stone. The Dead Lady Show celebrates women, both overlooked and iconic, who achieved amazing things against all odds while they were alive. And we do it through women's history storytelling on stage here in Berlin and beyond. Then we bring you the very best of these stories here on the podcast. We are part of a lively and lovely podcast scene in Berlin. And once a year, we get to come together with our friends, old and new, for PodFest Berlin. It was a lovely weekend full of workshops, events, networking, free ice cream, and live tapings from podcasts in various languages, including one from us. Dead Lady Show co-founder Katie Darbisher joined me in front of a small but perfectly formed audience to introduce two wonderful ladies, one in English, which you'll be hearing in this episode, and one in German. Katie was kind enough to introduce my presentation. Here she is live from PodFest Berlin, held at the wonderfully named Noisy Rooms. Susan Stone is a longtime radio journalist and audio producer who's worked for most of the big news initials, including BBC and NPR. But not the bad ones. Not the bad initials. Not like FOX. No, not (laughs) FOX. FOX, right. She's also an editorial and podcast consultant, in case you need any consulting, uh, working with nonprofits and creatives. Today, though, she'll be talking about a groundbreaking and long forgotten woman from the golden age of comics. Take it away, Susan. You can clap now. <laughs> so let's see a show of hands, or maybe you should just say yes. How many people here know Wonder Woman? Not personally, of course. Right. Okay. Catwoman. Yes. Black Widow. Yes. Black Panther. Yes. Nick Fury. Yeah. What about Miss Fury? June Tarpe Mills was the first woman to create a female superhero. Miss Fury put the cat in cat suit and the strip in comic strip. <laughs> She punched Nazis and wore fabulous clothes doing it. Miss Fury was never a damsel in distress. To some, she was a distressing damsel. Her love interests pined after her instead of the other way around. She inspired the design of characters we know well, from Wonder Woman to Black Widow to Catwoman, and enjoyed global fame. And then she, like her creator, disappeared. Miss Fury was exquisitely drawn. But the details of June Mills' life remain more roughly sketched. She was born Genevieve Mills, we think, in Brooklyn, New York, on February 25th in 1912 or 1918, to Margaret and Charles Mills. Her early life was not easy. There were two other siblings, Margaret and Thomas, who spent some time in orphanages, so they didn't always live with the family. A working widow, June's mother headed the household on the modest income she made as a hairdresser, supporting her kids as well as Helen and Frank, the two orphan children of her sister Elizabeth, who died in 1922. Young June was slight and petite, She later recalled she was one of those imaginative kids who hangs around the house reading books instead of running around outside playing hopscotch. After taking an art course at Erasmus Hall High, June's creative ambitions led her to the prestigious Pratt Institute. But art school cost money. June was a promising sculptor and an elegant beauty. She became an artist model to pay her way and support the family, posing for portrait painters and photographers. Sculpting was unlikely to pay the bills, though, So she did animation work, creating cat cartoons. She later said, I was carried out of the joint with a nervous breakdown. So I guess that wasn't a very good job. 
fashion illustration then supplemented the modeling, but a broken foot put her out of action for a while, so she turned her hand to a popular new medium, comic books. Later on, she liked to tell people she stumbled into comics. Comic books started in the 1930s when superheroes were in their infancy. Superman flew on the scene in 1938, and that was the same year that June Mills dropped her first name, turning a family name, Tarpy, into the Frenchified Tarpe, complete with an accent. And she had a male acquaintance deliver some comic book samples to a publisher. June was in her mid-twenties at the time. So here's some of her early work. Tarpe Mills did a bit of everything for comics publishers, but action was really her game. Mills drew adventure comics with explorers in exotic lands, brave heroes fighting mad scientists, early horror comics like The Ivy Menace and The Vampire, and Hollywood-inspired strips like fantastic feature films. She worked like crazy, turning out four or five strips at a time. Sometimes she published work under the names Nella or Edgar Allan Jr. She learned fast and developed a signature style. She later said to the New York Post of her name change, it would have been a major letdown to the kids if they found out that the author of such virile and awesome characters was a gal. <laughs> this gal's tough guys included the Purple Zombie and the Daredevil Barry Finn, named for the young son of her cousin Helen, who had married a news photographer, Bill Finn, known as Red. They had two boys, Barry and Bill Jr. Helen and the kids would often go visit June over the years, and while the two ladies chatted, the boys would be put to work with a heap of loose tobacco and a cigarette rolling machine, making hundreds of cigarettes for their chain-smoking aunt. <laughs> Barry would also provide her with technical and mechanical details about things like train car couplings, so she could make her artwork as accurate as possible. But these comic books were really kid stuff. The more sophisticated work was done in the cartoon pages of newspapers, which had been printing comics since 1895. Tarpe Mills made her way there, possibly through connections from Redfin, who was sort of her protector and confidant. She introduces a new action heroine called Marla Drake in the series Black Fury in April 1941, in full color in the Sunday comics pages. Marla is a beautiful, raven-haired socialite immediately thrown into a world of danger and intrigue from the very first page of her story. Getting ready for a costume party, she finds out another woman is planning to attend the same, in the same Southern Belle-style hoop-skirted gown. Horrors! Her French-maid Francine suggests she put on a black leopard skin left to her by her explorer uncle. Why not? So Marla objects on the grounds that it once belonged to quote, an African witch doctor mm -hmm. who used it for rituals, but Francine assures her she will look gorgeous in it. So clad in the fursuit, complete with claws, she races out to the party in her car and runs right into trouble. From there, a fast-paced rollicking tale takes her around the world, fighting evil, primarily Nazis, and getting into scrapes. The strip is a hit with both kids and adults for its combination of adventure, stunning fashion, and doomed romance. By the end of 1941, it has been renamed Miss Fury. And I just love how Mills even uses her title panel creatively, inking the words to match Marla's splotchy flowered dress pattern or filling the background with paranoid eyes to set up the story. So Marla Drake fights both men and women, brawling in her lingerie, or attacking in her leopard leotard, which surely added to her popularity. There is a bit of a fetish vibe here. She even battled an imposter, a man who stole her catsuit, 
and managed to look surprisingly like Batman in it. And Batman had actually been on the scene since 1939. Our heroine isn't always the focus in these stories. The villains and the side characters get their share of screen time. And in fact, she rarely wears the cat suit at all. When she does, bad things often happen. It's even unclear whether the suit has powers or not. Certainly, the leopard claws help her climb up the side of a building and scratch an enemy. But mostly, Marla is a scrappy fighter who uses her wits, including blowing powder from her compact into a baddie's face to get away. <laughs> she flies a fighter plane and parachutes out in a slinky gown, conveniently landing knickers up. Her nemesis, who's so great, is Baroness Erika von Kampf. Yes, von Kampf. <laughs> And Erica is a, or the Baroness, I should say, is a gold-digging Nazi spy whose carefully combed bangs hide a forehead branded with a swastika. Oh. Erica steals Marla's fiancé, Gary Hale, has a child they abandon to an evil scientist who Marla, who Marla rescues and later adopts as a single mother. That you can cheer for. Yay! <laughs> A huge fan favorite, Erica von Kampf, sometimes received more fan mail than Miss Fury, and she even had her own paper doll set. <laughs> then we have uh, General Bruno Bites, a cruel strategist who tapes a bomb to Marla's cat in an attempt oh. <laughs> terrible in an attempt to assassinate a South American ambassador. Poor kitty. <laughs> General Bruno thinks Hitler is an idiot, not wrong, and wants to do away with him and the Nazi Party so he could lead Germany himself. Other notables in the strip include small-time crook Fingers Martin, feisty resistance leader Era, police detective-turned-soldier Dan Carey, and the unfortunately named Albino Joe, a Harvard-educated native Brazilian who rarely wears a shirt <laughs> and warns Marla of the curse attached to her black leopard suit. In her heyday, Miss Fury's Sunday strip was syndicated in 100 newspapers across North America, including the Boston Globe, Washington Evening Star, the New York Post, and the Montreal Photo Journal, as well as read by global readers in Europe, Australia, and South America. And starting in 1942, these weekly strips were collected in comic book form by Timely Comics, later Marvel Comics, anybody? And sold more than a million copies. It probably would have been more if uh, the print runs weren't limited due to wartime paper rationing. There had been other women in comics, both on and off the page, but none had created quite such a stir. In fact, the first female cartoon artist published in a U.S. newspaper was back in 1896. From 1935 to 1938, Sandra of the Secret Service was a regular character in the new fun comic book, though she was drawn by a man. And in 1940, Fantoma, mystery woman of the jungle, who could be considered a superhero, came on the scene. She turns from a lovely blonde lady into a scary-looking angry blonde blue skull lady when she's angry and wants to combat evil. On the artist side, there's Dahlia Messick, better known as Dale Messick after being advised to change her name, who created Brenda Starr, a reporter. This strip about a glam female journalist started in 1940 and ran until 2011. It was even name-checked in a Blondie song. Anybody? Anybody? Ripper to Shreds, and made into a feature film in 1989, starring Brooke Shields and Timothy Dalton in an eye patch. <laughs> then there was publisher Grace Jacquette, who ran Funnies Inc. with her husband and hired Tarpe Mills, amongst other talented artists and writers, including another notable, if difficult, dead lady, Patricia Highsmith. 
author of The Talented Mr. Ripley and Strangers on a Train, who you might hear about in the next season of our podcast, thanks to our friends at Dead Ladies NYC. Although when Highsmith became a sought-after novelist and screenwriter, she hated to acknowledge her time in the comic book world. Tarpe Mills may have started as a woman hiding behind an ambiguous name, but once the press got wind of the elegant creator who used herself as a model for the luscious Miss Fury, she became a sensation. She was interviewed by the New York Post and the Miami Daily News. She seems to have actually moved to Florida for a few years during this period, living in the pink-tinged Granada apartments in Miami. Also, I love that this story in the Miami Daily News refers to Mala Drake, M-O-L-L-A, instead of Marla Drake, and I'm thinking it was June's Brooklyn accent that was a bit much for them. <laughs> anyway, she told the newspaper she drew from her mirror image. She also sketched her cat quite a lot. A white, fluffy Persian appears not just in Miss Fury, but in many of her older cartoon series. Six months after Miss Fury debuted, another black coiffed superheroine with more lasting power hit the scene, Wonder Woman, created and drawn by men. Artist Harry Peter was told to make her, quote, as powerful as Superman, as sexy as Miss Fury, as scantily clad as Sheena of the Jungle, and as patriotic as Captain America. <laughs> and when you look at these two side by side, the hair's the same, the face is really similar. But, you know, with the war in full swing, heroes were in hot demand. The stylishly seductive Miss Fury, with her blend of wit, ingenuity, and righteous determination to kick Nazi butt, was a big favorite of American troops. During World War II, at least four B-24 and B-14 bombers were bedecked with Miss Fury's name and image. When soldiers wrote fan letters to Tarpe, she sent them a sexy pinup of Marla Drake changing out of her costume. I'll let you enjoy that while I take a sip of water. <laughs> Mills even donated her beloved eight-year-old cat to the war effort. Again, poor kitty. <laughs> Perry Purr, who appeared in the strip as Marla Drake's pet, became an unofficial mascot on an Allied warship renamed Sir Admiral Purr. <laughs> Months after the end of World War II in 1945, Tarpe Mills, Dale Messick, and a host of other female cartoon artists got together for a special feature in Editor and Publisher. Tarpe tells the reporter that if all the women of the world got together, there wouldn't be any more wars. You know, optimistic. Of her sexy comic series, she says, we'd lose our public if we didn't put in the curves. But as we know, curves can be dangerous. A newspaper story from a few months after that event reports that Catholic school kids in Wisconsin were burning, quote, undesirable comics, including Miss Fury, in bonfires during Catholic Book Week. Whatever that is. <laughs> and in 1947, an image of the character Era in a leafy bikini was censored by outraged newspapers. 37 of them dropped Miss Fury in protest. Others clumsily cover her up with a slash of ink. I'm not quite sure what got to them. Certainly, Miss Fury has always been filled with boudoir costume changes, bubble bath scenes, and lacy lingerie. Perhaps it was the Eve in the Garden of Eden theme, or because the orange leaves look a little like pubic hair at first glance? Anyway, a few years after that controversy, the Miss Fury skip is canceled in 1951. Superheroes were falling out of fashion in the post-war period. Besides... Marla Drake's greatest foes had been the Nazis. Now they were defeated and the world had moved on. Plus, with men returning from war and taking back the jobs that women held while they were serving overseas, 
maybe strong women held less appeal for some. Brenda Starr, the girl reporter strip I mentioned before, was the only adventure comic with a female to survive the decade. And the mood of the country had become increasingly moralistic. Mills' later strips definitely have fewer lingerie shots and sexy catfights, and they kind of lack the pizzazz of her early work. She was also having health issues. Maybe all those cigarettes were catching up with her. June had become less dependable. At times, ghost artists had to be called in to pick up the slack, though she would manage to finish writing the stories. In this 1951 strip, Marla Drake is almost unrecognizable in some panels, compared to, you know, the originals. The thing is, it wasn't a great time to be in the cartoon business anyway. Starting in the late 40s, psychiatrist Frederick Wortham had been campaigning against comic books and their characters, citing violence, misogyny, racism, and homoerotic undertones. His 1954 book, Seduction of the Innocent, said that comets were dangerous to children. There were protests, book burnings, and congressional hearings. In response, the comics industry decided to self-censor these violent and so-called salacious images to avoid government oversight. And the industry went into decline. It's said that within two years of the publication of Wortham's best-selling book, numerous publishers closed down and hundreds of cartoon artists had to seek other work. As Albino Joe tells Marla Drake in the comics, with every favor gained through black magic come two misfortunes. Another devastation was yet to come. In 1958, photographer Red Finn is killed in the line of duty while on assignment for the New York Journal American. A petroleum tanker and a steamship collided near the Manhattan Bridge, spreading flaming fuel across the East River. And this is actually the picture that he took, well, on his last assignment. Red had supported June emotionally and at times financially. Now, from the 1950s on, we really don't know much about June's life. It's likely that she's doing commercial artwork during this time, but she really just dropped out of the public eye. But in the 1970s, she pops up again, briefly, doing some artwork for Marvel romance comics. Check out these groovy pages for our love story from 1971, with the credit going to one J.T. Mills. She portrays the style transformation of heroine Sandy, a shy secretary, from a headband and Peter Pan-collared mouse into a sultry, fur-stole-draped vamp for a date with the boss that goes bad. <laughs> the story, called Model with a Broken Heart, was notably not written by Mills, but by Gary Friedrich. The film noir 40s vibe looks wonderfully retro to the modern eye, and while it may feel classic now, at the time it was just a bit dated. I mean, the fashions don't really look fresh. Sometime after 1970, Miss Fury enters the public domain and is no longer protected by copyright. In 1979, Mills publishes a collection of Miss Fury strips in paperback and a hardcover limited edition priced at $10.95, so that's close to $50 adjusted for inflation, and I really hope that she saw a good bit of that. The cover illustration is dated 1979, so we know she was still drawing. This is actually a gorgeous painting of Miss Fury up in a tree being chased by dogs. And she also started working on a graphic novel around this time called Albino Joe, the Man with the Tiger Eyes, bringing back one of Miss Fury's sidekicks. But she couldn't get anyone interested and never finished it. June never married and never had kids and was independent but isolated. In 1988, Mills invited her nephew and his wife over to visit. She showed them where her original artwork was kept in a large metal cabinet, and at the time, her health was really on the decline. She had congestive heart failure and chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, and they were really taking a toll. She was homebound and oxygen-dependent, and she still smoked like a fiend. 
Well, that was the last time her family saw her. About six months later, at the age of 70, June Tarpe Mills died alone in her apartment. The Finns don't seem to have been informed, and her body went to the Brooklyn morgue. She was buried in an unmarked grave in a New Jersey cemetery. Her art and belongings disappeared and have never been found. But her legacy is being restored. Mills' great-nephew, Bill Finn, son of the namesake of Mills' Daredevil Barry Finn comic series, has been on an over-20-year journey to get his great-aunt the recognition she deserves. He was able to get information on the settlement of her estate, the name of the funeral home that processed her body, and where her remains were laid to rest, so in 2018, a headstone was put in place to commemorate her. Miss Fury can also, once again, be found in the pages of contemporary comics. Here she is on the cover of 2007's The Twelve from Marvel, storming Berlin. Recognize it? <laughs> Look familiar? Uh, behind Captain America, the Human Torch, Namor, and others, though you'll have to look hard to make out her pointy ears in the crowd. So I helpfully highlighted this for you with a pink arrow. And Miss Fury's had a couple makeovers, too. In a 1991 four-issue miniseries published by Adventure Comics, the new Miss Fury, a young woman named Marlene Hale, is the granddaughter of the original Marla Drake. In a 2013 series, Dynamite Comics sent 1940s Miss Fury traveling through time. And then they also released the graphic accent on the graphic, graphic novel Miss Fury Joy Division in 2022, which sees a bloodthirsty Marla Drake leading a team to save Jewish women forced to work in concentration camp brothels. I'm going to skip that one. In 2011 and 2013, the Library of American Comics released beautiful collections of the original Miss Fury Sunday series with an introduction by comics historian Trina Robbins, herself an important cartoon artist and the first woman to draw Wonder Woman. They marked the first reprints of Miss Fury since 1979. Fashion remembered Tarpe Mills, too. Prada Spring Summer 2018, shown in September 2017, cited her as one of several female comic artists to inspire the collection, and there's a huge print of Marla Drake's face adorning the runway in Milan. And in 2019, June Tarpe Mills was finally inducted into the Hall of Fame at the Will Eisner Comic Industry Awards at San Diego Comic-Con International a long-overdue accolade. That year, Bill Finn also donated the family's remaining pieces of his aunt's work to the Billy Ireland Cartoon Library and Museum at Ohio State University, which holds the world's largest collection of materials related to cartoons and comics. A whole new generation is discovering and embracing the self-reliance and style of Miss Fury, Marla Drake, and Tarpe Mills. If you'd like to learn more about June Tarpe Mills and the other women comic artists, a lot of fun articles came out about her after she was inducted into the Comics Hall of Fame. And there are several great books that comic historians Trina Robbins has written or contributed to, like A Century of Women Cartoonists, which I used. Also good is Comic Book Women by Peyton Brunette and Blair Davis, which takes a revisionist approach to women's role in the golden age of comics. And definitely track down the beautiful library of comics reprints. They are really glorious. And heavy. <laughs> a documentary called Miss Fury and the Lost Legacy of Tarpe Mills by Chelsea Stone, no relation, will be coming out in the next year or so, including interviews with Trina Robbins, Bill Finn, and others. Chelsea has also written a series pilot about June Tarpe Mills and Miss Fury, too, and was kind enough to answer some of my queries about June's early life. I also want to say thanks somehow 
to my friend and friend of the Dead Lady Show, Andy Horn. Back in 2016, he said to me after one of the live shows, Hey, have you ever heard of Tarpan Mills? She was really cool. And he was right. We added her to our list of future ladies then, but sadly Andy died before we could get him to tell her story for us. So I'm sharing Tarpan Mills' story for him, for her, and for all of us. Thank you. Thank you, Susan. And you can find out more about Miss Fury and Tarpe Mills over on our website at deadladyshow.com slash podcast and on social media at Dead Lady Show. Uh, I'm just going to tell you now that the Dead Lady Show was founded by Florian Darsons and Katie Darvisher. The podcast is created, produced, and edited by me, Susan Stone. Our theme tune is Little Lily Swing by Tritachion. This is the final episode of Season 6, but we have 66 other episodes for you to enjoy wherever you like to listen. Thank you to everyone here at PodFest Berlin, including Daniel Stern, Ina Moana, and Anais Engler for welcoming us here today. And to our fantastic sound engineer, Grace. Grace Hamdan for the audio support. And thanks to all of you for coming. And thanks to all of you out there listening. We will be back again soon with another fabulous dead lady. Bye. Bye. Recorded live at Podfest Berlin, supported by Wonder Tax. Tax returns made easy.